Well, my name is Joe Richards, and we're listening to the Impact Outdoor Podcast. Yeah, I mean, I love I love hunting. Uh, I've done it my whole life with my family, uh, my dad, my brother, uh, mainly. And um, something it's you know I've gotten to hunt white-tailed deer, turkey, uh, waterfowl, dove, a little bit of quail. Um, I don't know, like I, people ask me like, what's my favorite type of hunting? And you know, I don't really have an answer for them. It's just kind of like I just enjoy all of it. I think uh, you know I'm not a fan of the cold, but I do like sitting in a in a deer blind. That's just a very relaxing form of spending the time in the outdoors to me. And you know I love watching white-tailed deer, but um, I do love when turkey season rolls around because you get to you get to hit a box call and uh, or a slate, and then you get to be fully you know camouflaged. And we like to sit up set up on the ground and just kind of wait um, and call a bird in, and that's that's a load of fun. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast, and we're uh, finishing up the last couple episodes from the Podcast Summit this year, and on this week's episode, we're joined by Joe Richards, and uh, Joe is doing some amazing things with the, the outdoor world and with through photography and his research through um, his, his master's project he's working on at Texas Tech University here. And uh, we had a great conversation about a lot of different things and, and some crazy rattlesnake stories and, and just talking about our love for the wild turkey and uh, the outdoors in general and, and how you can get involved in, in startup uh, photography um, and uh, just, just a really good conversation. So really excited to have Joe on the show. So let's jump right into this week's episode with Joe Richards. This episode was recorded live at the 2023 Hunt Fish Podcast Summit. Podcasters and guests from across the country come together to talk about their passions for hunting, fishing, and conservation. This year's summit is brought to you by Waypoint TV, Ron Hoover Marine of Galveston, Spot Stalker Guide Service, the Wild Sheep Foundation, Galveston Fishing Company, Captain Experiences, and Badger Claw Outfitters. Okay, man. Well, we are uh, we are wrapping up the third annual Huntfish Podcast Summit today, and um, sitting here with my buddy Joe, and uh, wanted to have you here and on the show. And, and you've got a lot of a lot of cool stuff going on in your life right now. And we, we're kind of all um, a lot of us have been kind of on a, um, have a commonality with Texas Brigades and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty unique deal. And um, but um, Joe, welcome to the show. Um, thanks for coming up here to the Warren Ranch, and uh, I really want to talk to you a little bit about um, kind of your path to where you're at now. You're doing some cool research and stuff, so why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about that. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again for having me out here. It's been a complete pr- pleasure just to get in to visit with all the professionals here and learning about how podcasts are put on, because I had no idea <laughs> how, how much effort and you know work involved it was, and I mean... It's it's very similar to photography in many aspects. I feel like with the, you know, you're working hard and then you got all the processing afterwards, yeah. which takes a long time. But um, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm born and raised in Texas, you know, and uh, a lot of people know uh, my background and my family is uh, with my dad's Dave Richards and has done a lot of photography with white-tailed deer. Uh, so he got me started in wildlife photography at a, a very young age. So. Before I could, I was so small, I couldn't even see outside the blind sitting in the chair. 
um, that's how it all started for me. And, you know, we were an outdoor family. We loved doing hunting, fishing, camping. Uh, I was in Boy Scouts, so I got a lot of involvement there. And uh, wildlife photography has been probably the biggest one just because it's what we can do year round. And mm-hmm. um, it's opened so many doors and given so many opportunities for me to, to and, and it complements my uh, career path as well. So, um, I went to A&M for my wildlife and fisheries degree and double majored in entomology. Uh, and now I'm at Texas Tech University doing my master's uh, with wild turkeys and arthropods. Awesome. My so, favorite thing. <laughs> turkeys. <laughs> they are cool. Um, it, it was, you know, picking a, stu- like a, picking a university where I wanted to pursue a graduate school and um, a species that I wanted to work with. I was like, I love game birds and turkeys are like the big game bird and mm-hmm. i mean there's so much research go- going on with them across the country right now and uh lots of topics uh from everything from disease research to um you know diet selection and analysis and you know there's such a su- such a coveted animal in many respects mm-hmm. yeah they uh they've definitely got me on the hook man i, I love them birds and and um they're just so unique and i think the biggest draw for turkeys and 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 there's so many passionate people about them you know which which you're one of them is just the interaction you have with them if you've ever hunted one or tried to call one in to photograph or Mm -hmm. or any of that man i mean you i mean you can do that with deer to an extent but not like with turkeys yeah it's it's a heart race every single time and when you hear that gobble and then you get to watch them do their full strut and spitting and drumming i mean it's a it's a rodeo show and i love every minute of it um, and they're, and they're a difficult challenge too. I mean, yeah. like no joke. Like I was talking about this uh, yesterday. I was like, don't, if you're going to start photography, don't start with turkeys. Cause by gosh, <laughs> they are tough. Um, and, but they're really, really rewarding. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I photographed a lot of turkeys and like, there's every time I photograph turkeys, I learn something. Yeah. I learned something about the biology or the behavior of the bird. I learned something about my camera settings, you know, how to improve, you know, uh, different situations always, you know, create opportunities to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like what was the first thing when, when you started the photography stuff with your, with your family, like what has been kind of your history in that? I mean, were you starting off just in the deer blind or just in the backyard or i mean what's what was kind of your process and how yeah. that's evolved you know it's it's uh been interesting so you know my dad does the white-tailed deer uh, that's what he uh, specialized in and mm-hmm. you know his his claim to fame uh, with his white-tailed deer book and aging on the hoof um so growing up it was like yeah sitting a lot in deer blinds um but there's so much you can see when you're photographing out of a deer blind and just getting to conceal oneself and you know watch nature unfold and you get to see all the little cool you know minute things that people don't get to see and for me uh, I always loved white-tailed deer but I also loved photographing birds I loved photo I loved capturing action shots of like a bird in flight or um, I would be flipping over rocks and logs and looking for like little invertebrates and stuff so I occupied like a different niche than my dad did 
uh, so does my brother. So he does wildlife photography too, and he specializes a lot in waterfowl photography. So we all kind of have our own uh, like classes of wildlife that we kind of gravitate to. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Just offers so much more um, to every outdoor experience because like I'll be photographing a bug, my dad will be photographing a turkey or deer, and like you know we all ha- we all come away or like we go to the same place, but we all get different shots. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have different perspectives. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think photography. Something we've talked a lot this weekend about. Um, new hunters and and people you know um just getting back into the outdoors and like how do we get people in the outdoors and stuff and like you don't have to go out and hunt it's like we're not saying that but there's so many other avenues you can do to enjoy the outdoors and through photography that's something that you can do and not really have an impact on the resource you know as far as like through hunting harvesting animal or something you don't have to go kill something take a picture of it exactly and i mean it's also like in my perspective it's also a lot more affordable too in many respects because mm-hmm. you know not everyone can afford to go hunt a fifty thousand dollar white-tailed deer yeah but you could photograph one as yeah. much as you want without having to take that resource and you know pay for that resource yeah um i would say that like you know for people just starting off in photography um you know it's a there is a financial side of things like but there's also a lot of great um, beginner level uh, cameras that mm-hmm. are very affordable nowadays. Um, you know, my first camera was a little Rebel, Canon Rebel T3i. It's probably not worth dirt today. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give that thing away. Um, but like my first published images were with that camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can take if they can take good quality photos, especially if you know your equipment, know your settings. Uh, you have you spend that time to really know what your equipment can do, and mm-hmm. um, you know it, it all takes practice in the field, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, just like anything. I mean, you're not going to go out there and be the expert in the field right off the bat. But yeah. <laughs> the more you take, and and I think the advent of the digital photos. You know, I've got some friends that are big time photographers, and and that's just that's what they. I've always said, you know, when they were shooting film and stuff, and it's like. <laughs> I mean, we'd spend so much money developing all this, and now I can go out and take 2,000 pictures in a day, you know, and get three or four really good ones and just not have to worry about how much film I'm using or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, like, back in the day of film, it was it was a very expensive endeavor, and you didn't know what you got when yeah. you were in the middle of the field, and you had to know your settings. You had to know what was going on with mm-hmm. that camera because now you can just look at the back of your screen and you're like, oh, it's a – a shade too dark like let me just raise my iso and like bam fixed but yeah. like back then you didn't know that you didn't know what you got <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of the you know just kind of the nice thing about having instant instant access to this stuff so we want everything right now and and uh for the most part these days you know and, and uh being able to sit there and do that and look at look at the videos and stuff and um you know we've had Y'all did a round table last night, and there was there's several photographers here, um, and y'all were comparing pictures, and I was kind of watching y'all do that, and and it's pretty cool, you know. It's like um, just being able to capture something out in the wild, and and um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that, you know, just going out and seeing stuff. I'm not a photographer. I take stuff with my iPhone, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the best, but I mean, I get some pretty good stuff and nothing on what y'all are getting is a detail and stuff. But, um, 
What's been some of your favorite things to shoot here recently? You know, I'm, I'm, I've talked about it a lot recently. Is um, and for the last two years, I've had the the blessing, the opportunity to photograph lesser prairie chickens in Texas and New Mexico, and that to me, like at my young age, I'm 23. I never thought I'd even see a prairie chicken yeah. at my young age, uh, just because of their status in Texas and uh, they're declining. Um, the fragmented habitat that they occupy it's just getting less and less so i got to photograph prairie chickens in the panhandle with my dad so i got to share that memory with him Mm -hmm. uh, which just adds so much more to the experience too but photographing the prairie chickens on their leks while they were uh, doing their courtship dances and the the stomping and uh, booming and all that was just super super interesting i mean no i had never even uh studied the species at all but like when you photograph something especially in in like wildlife photography you have to know the subject that you're photographing you you have to know the behaviors the biology of the species and that just it adds so much to the experience but it makes you a better photographer too Mm -hmm. um just knowing what they're going to do um knowing what you captured it's like oh that's you know a unique behavior um so when we were out there it's really cool because like me and my dad didn't know anything about photographing prairie chickens we're like we don't know what we're doing so it was like we had to find the prairie chickens um which we had a biologist give us some gps coordinates and he's like they're out there you're like okay great (laughs) and you look you look at the landscape and it's like just sand and like nothing looks different it's like it's just field of sand and but we were able to find chicken tracks uh and like find the leks and set up our pop-ups uh the blinds on them and I mean, the next morning it was just like game on, and to hear you get to hear those chickens fly in, uh, like in the pitch dark of night, and then hear them cackling and booming. It's just it sounds eerie. It's like an alien world. Um, <laughs> terrifying if you don't know what they are. They're just chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the pics you showed me last night, I was, the detail and stuff on them, and just being able to see see them in that in that uh, in that moment was just incredible. So. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gotten to travel? I mean, I know you have. Have you gotten to travel and do some some cool photography stuff? Yes, sir, for sure. We've uh, me and like our family vacations kind of revolve around uh, photography in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of my favorite trips have been like to uh, brown bears in Alaska, um, nice. getting to photograph the bears on the falls and such, and the salmon run. That was a super cool experience. Wow. Um, been to South Africa a bit photographing so i was actually there this last august on a student experience and so we got to go and it's me and a few other college age students we got to go onto a private game preserve mm-hmm. and learn about the management wildlife management style in another country mm-hmm. um so super interesting stuff we got to run around with uh ornithologists and band owls we got to run around with the herpetologists and flip over rocks looking for puff adders and king co- or cape cobras and <laughs> Stuff that I was just like, man, we should not be doing this. <laughs> I was like, this is not a good idea. Um, but once in a lifetime, super though. exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not your average like safari for right. sure. It's like stay in the truck. Like don't don't be don't stand up in the truck and be you know don't attract attention of the lion or something. But here we are. We're like flipping over rocks. <laughs> like 
<laughs> oh, that, see that scorpion? It could kill you. <laughs> yeah. I think everything could kill you in Africa. So oh, yeah. it seems like. <laughs> um, it's a lot different than here. And like in like here, it's like, go flip over that log. I'm like, heck no. There could be a rattlesnake in there. Yeah. But in another country, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. All your inhibitions go out the window. So Yeah. I was like, man, what were we thinking? <laughs> I remember those days of uh, of herping up in Oklahoma when I was in college at OSU and stuff. And uh, I was talking with uh, Andrew Austin about that the other day. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would just go out to one of the lakes and just walk around and try to find snakes and and uh, different lizards and salamanders and all kinds of cool stuff. And mm-hmm. those are fun, man. I mean, if, that's a great way just to get out and enjoy the outdoors. I mean, take a camera along with you and take pictures of what you catch and and um and stuff and for sure i i like to say like I, i'm not a herper because i don't go looking for reptiles they somehow find me uh, in the <laughs> weirdest situations so like i'll give you an example when i was uh an intern out at the rolling plains quail research ranch we had to do small mammal trapping uh, as part of our research yeah. and um we set out these transects with uh live Sherman traps, which they're just like these little metal boxes that are foldable. But the the rodent it has like a little foldable door or spring loaded door. And once the rodent goes inside uh, to eat seeds or whatever, that door shuts and you just have a box. It's just shut. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I caught something if the door's closed. But um, like my first transect out there, I went out and I saw like, it was like my third or fourth uh, trap and the door shut. So something is in it. I was like, cool. I pick it up, and it's heavy. And I'm like, oh, I must have caught, like, a pack rat or something, a, you know, <laughs> big rat or a ground squirrel. And I lift that thing up, and, you know, you just kind of peek, the, like, just kind of open the door slightly just to peek and see what's inside. And I peek, and there's this rattlesnake head just oh, no. right there at the door. Like, his, his head was just, like, perfectly could have sh- struck me in the face. And <laughs> I shut that door and held that box out like as far as I could from like I don't know what I should have chunked it. <laughs> I held it out and I was yelling to my friend. I was like, "We caught a rattlesnake!" And he's like, "No, we didn't." And I'm like, "Yes, we did. I know what a rattlesnake looks like when it's inches from my face." <laughs> so that's why I don't go herping because I'm like, I'm, they find me. <laughs> yeah. Uh. We were talking the other day about crazy snake stories. Like I was up in Oklahoma, got in my boat one morning, and thought I'd left on the at the ram. It was a small lake, so you could just leave your boats tied up to the at the dam and stuff. And we were going out in the dark across the lake, and I heard something in the bottom of the boat, and I shined my light back there where the batteries and the gas tank is and everything. And there was about a five and a half foot diamondback Ooh. rattlesnake in the bottom <laughs> of the boat, and I was. You know, I almost crapped my pants. I was just like, what? <laughs> it's pitch black, and there's a giant rattlesnake in there, and I'm just like, uh, oh, my gosh, please stay down in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we turned around and moseyed back to the boat ramp, trying not to make <laughs> any sudden moves, and, and uh, got out. And by this time, it was almost daylight, and we found a big stick and started prodding around in there, trying to get it to come out, finally come out. And uh, I was like, holy cow. I've, I've even been out on the lake before, and – and uh, stuck my hand in the minnow bucket one time in the dark, and there was a snake in it. And oh, I was like, <laughs> It wasn't a rattlesnake, but I was just like, that's not what I want to feel when I stick my hand in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's a cold prank if you put like a, yeah, like, a right? snake in somebody's right? minnow bucket. <laughs> right? Yeah, but snakes are cool, man. They uh, You just tend to um, 
get spooked by them, you know, so easily because you're not expecting to see them most of the time. So but they're cool animals, and they serve such a cool, a cool role in the in the world and the ecosystem and stuff. And uh, for sure, um, did you see Deep in the Heart this past year? Uh, the documentary that I haven't that seen all. I've seen parts of it. Yeah, there's a really cool scene in there that they filmed. Um, with the bats coming out of one of the caves here in Texas, and uh, oh, Bracken Cave, uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. and the and the snakes going up. Uh, I guess they were, were they rattlesnakes. No, they weren't rattlesnakes. I can't remember what they were. The coach whips, I think, or something. Oh, okay. And they were up there, and, and the bats would come out, and the small ones would get stuck in the cactus and stuff, and they were going up and snatching them out of the, mm-hmm. out of the cactus. And, and the footage in that that film was just unbelievable. Yeah, so, for sure. But um, so what? I want to talk to you more about what you're doing at at, uh, at tech and stuff. So what does your research project entail there? Yeah, so we're looking at, I mean, the project is revolved around wild turkeys. Um, and we're looking specifically at wild turkeys, Rio Grande wild turkeys in uh, the hill country on the mm-hmm. Edwards Plateau um, around Junction uh, in that area. So Texas Tech has a field station out there in Junction that's kind of like the center base for our research. Yeah. Um, and my research is specifically looking into um, arthropod communities, mm-hmm. so insects and invertebrates that are in that system. And we want to know what kind of arthropods are turkeys selecting for. And so we're sampling in the river system, so the Lana River and then the riparian habitats, which those turkeys, you know, are really, really hooked on. They yeah. really stick to those areas for, you know, all sorts of reasons, but mainly for roosting and water. Um, so they're in those areas and the, we're also sampling in the upland areas and we just want to know like, um, what kind of insect communities are occupying these different habitat types and are these birds selecting for like a specific order of insects? Are they selecting for like a different community? Mm -hmm. Um, does that change, you know, over the year or like over seasons? Um, because there's a lot of cool seasonal insect emergences out of the Lano River. So like mayflies, caddisflies, um, which, you know, we don't really have a lot of documentation that turkeys feed on those directly, but there's tons of other organisms that do. And we want to know like, you know, is this influx of nutrients from the river, is it affect, how is it affecting the terrestrial land system and what kind of invertebrates, you know, organisms are consuming those insects and are they benefiting turkeys Mm -hmm. have y'all seen like like grasshoppers for example i mean i know it's a huge part of wild turkey diet and stuff i mean Mm -hmm. have y'all seen any dramatic decreases in in abundance of those i mean if y'all are just out in out in the wild i mean like some years seem like those things are everywhere so i know on our place which is in the hill country um just north of Fredericksburg, Texas, almost to Mason, Texas, um, you know, last year just didn't see a lot, you know, and so I'm just kind of thinking back in my mind, like, well, I wonder what they're eating, mm-hmm. you know, if there's not a big grasshopper hatch, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it goes in cycles sometimes. A lot of insect populations cycle, kind of like boom and bust, and for sure, I mean, you, a lot of people don't even tend to notice in when invertebrates decline and they're like, you know, one year you might have tons of locusts or grasshoppers and then the next year, nothing. Yeah. Um, so I think they don't really get a lot of looks from researchers, but we think about how important insects are to the food web and, you know, they're the, they're like the base level of all these other animal diets. Mm-hmm. And so they're extremely important. 
Um, and they're extremely important too for turkey development or uh, poults uh, because yeah. for that first two to three weeks of life, turkey poults, they're only consuming invertebrates because mm-hmm. they need that protein basis in order to grow and to develop their feathers, uh, their plumage. So they're extremely important, especially at that critical uh, time period. So how can we manage for insects and invertebrates, uh, you know, to make sure that they're, we're providing that protein that's yeah. needed uh, during the brooding brooding time for yeah. turkeys? That's an important question because we need to know what are they consuming directly. Mm-hmm. So do you, this uh, influx of fire ants in the hill country, I know that's <laughs> been a huge debate on, on the issues that comes from those things, but... Um, have y'all looked at in any of that as an issue f- with anything or not yet? Cause we're just getting started with our sampling like this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but fire ants are an interesting take because they're usually, you know, blamed for the, a lot of things and a lot of ground nesting bird, uh, yeah. depredation of nest. So, I mean, and they do, uh, they're a big problem in certain areas, uh, especially where, you know, you have a fire ant hill every, you know, every meter it's, it's pretty crazy to see, but another another interesting aspect of it is fire ants are just super predatory. They're opportunistic generalists. Um, they consume lots of invertebrates. So ten, we tend to see lower diversity of insects uh, in fi- you know in communities dominated by fire ants. So they yeah. eat tons of other invertebrates. And then think about that for a turkey poult. You know, if you got a field full of fire ants and no grasshoppers. That's bad. Yeah. And, you know, turkey poults endangered one from fire ants, you know, crawling on it. And then it doesn't have any food because fire ants have pushed everything mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. We've got lots of, lots of them on our place and, and, um, and at home too. So, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're forever. I mean, I know growing up in Oklahoma as a kid, I mean, we, I never really seen them. I know they're not as bad up there as they are here, you know, but man, when I moved down where we're at down south of Houston, I mean, our yard was just full of fire ants. Like, you couldn't mm-hmm. even you couldn't even walk out in the yard barefoot. Cause, <laughs> I mean, you'd just get attacked. And if you've ever got attacked by fire ants, oh, yeah. you'll know it in about <laughs> half a second. Because they will swarm you. And um, and you hope you don't have an allergic reaction to them too bad. So, yeah. Um, it's like my backyard growing up is like his fire ants and sticker birds. So, like, you, yeah. didn't, you just didn't go out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that people should think about, you know. And I don't know. As far as like, you know, on on native landscapes and stuff. I mean, I don't know what you, what there, if there are any treatment methods for for things like that. But um, you know, in the cities, I mean, they're using all kinds of stuff to put on the grass to to keep them out and stuff. And yeah, there's a lot of pesticides out there. But the problem with that is, is like you're also killing the beneficial insects yeah. too. Uh, so it's you know. Whoever develops a pesticide that's, you know, specialized just for fire ants is going to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> a billionaire. Yeah, probably a billionaire here in Texas. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's cool. Um, so do you get to do any hunting and stuff or mm-hmm. um, what all, what's, what's kind of, what do you, what do you like besides the photography stuff, you know, and what you're doing with your research project, what else do you get to do outdoors? Yeah, I mean, I love I love hunting. Uh, I've done it my whole life with my family, uh, my dad, my brother, uh, mainly. And um, something it's you know I've gotten to hunt white-tailed deer, turkey, uh, waterfowl, dove, a yeah. little bit of quail. Um, I don't know, like I, p- 
people ask me like what's my favorite type of hunting and you know i don't really have an answer for them it's just kind of like i just enjoy all of it yeah they're all so different yeah so i think uh you know i'm not a fan of the cold but i do like sitting in a in a deer blind that's just a very relaxing form of spending the time in the outdoors to me and you know i love watching white-tailed deer but um i do love when turkey season rolls around because you get to you get to hit a box call and uh, or a slate and then you get to be fully you know camouflaged and we like to sit up set up on the ground and just kind of wait mm-hmm. um and call a bird in, and then that's that's a load of fun yeah like you know we got the texas blue bonnets down here right now and they're really going crazy down by my place where i hunt at and we stopped in there this week on the way so it was cool to get to see some of the the wildflowers out and stuff and man when you see like a like I did a hunt on my place oh, three or four years ago, and I was there by myself, and I walked out in this meadow behind a creek, and it was I'd never seen it like this before. But I mean, there was no green; it was solid blue. Hmm. It was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. And um, I was sitting there, and I started taking pictures and stuff. And then I heard a gobble, like probably a hundred yards away, and I was like, "Holy crap!" So I just sat down, <laughs> threw my decoy up, and and within like five minutes, I had a uh, like a pack of five jakes comes in like strutting in oh, wow. all these blue blue bonnets and oh wow and that was just so cool and picturesque and I'll never forget that image in my head so mm-hmm. um, but I mean those are those are some of the the benefits of of being out in the spring because in the fall I mean most everything's gone I mean the foliage is gone and stuff and yeah and uh, it's pretty barren looking in a lot of places in the hill country because it's so rocky and full of cactus and stuff so yeah in south texas too especially we get to we see it's just a sea of brush but during the springtime it's really something special because like right now i think there's a new you know there's a new wildflower popping up every single day yeah and there's just splashes of pink and yellow and blue and red and i mean um it's just i'm looking for places like we always as a photographer i always look at like flower fields and i'm like man (laughs) wish a turkey would strut in that right right (laughs) Yeah, probably probably will, just not when you're here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had turkey the last opportunity I had. I had turkey strutting in like a poppy field, uh, those white prickly poppies. Mm-hmm. And the problem with those is, is they're just too tall for a turkey. So I had like photos of like flowers in the turkey's face. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, why can't it be blue bonnets? Yeah, playing peekaboo <laughs> out there. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, man, well, I know that you had um, – you got to experience Texas Brigades a little bit and have done quite a bit with the Brigades program. How is that for you? That was an amazing experience. I It's impacted me, you know, my whole life. And it's kind of, it set me on the course uh, knowing I wanted to pursue a, like a degree and a career in wildlife, mm-hmm. the wildlife profession. Um, I wish I had known about it sooner. I wish yeah. I had known about it like when I first could have started because I went to a, I went to South Texas Bob White Brigade, um, like the last possible year I was eligible as a cadet, mm-hmm. but I got to go back, uh, the year later, uh, it's like a, the camp photographer for several of the camps. So I did get to experience it yeah. just in a different sense, but, um, uh, you know, it's going to those camps, you know, you get to network with all the different wildlife professionals, wildlife biologists, um, you get one-on-one conversations and experiences mm-hmm. with them. You learn about some of the techniques uh, like radio telemetry and uh, the biologies of the species that you're studying, like quail and deer. Uh, You do plant identification. You do uh, firearm safety and uh, shooting, which, you know, 
all of that exposure, I mean, it's just, it's great. And a lot of these people that come in, I just like, they don't have ex- experience with that. They don't have a, a channel to do that in their yeah. everyday life. So I think it's, it's super cool. Plus these, uh, the leadership opportunities in the camps too. I mean, it makes, makes leaders out of these, um, young high school, uh, age kids because, uh, they learn, they develop public speaking skills. They develop communication. Um, they have to work together kind of, you know, in teams and friendly competitions like quiz bowl and stuff like that. Um, so it's, there's, there's a lot going on in those camps that it's, it's super, super cool. And I encourage, you know, anyone in the, in the age range, um, which I forget it right now. It's like 13 to 17 for the cadets. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anyone in that age range needs to, needs to send their kids or they, they they need to go to these camps. Um, Mm -hmm. cause it's, it's also produced some of like the best friendships I have to this day. I mean, because if you are re- serious about entering the wildlife profession in the field, you know, it's so small in Texas that the people you see at these camps, you're going to see them in, in college and in university. And then later when you on, go in, look for a job. And then when you go look for a job, like <laughs> they may be hiring you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's happened a lot, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Brigades is pretty special, man. It's a, uh, it really opened up my eyes to a lot of different things and um, being involved with it for so long now and stuff. And, um, and like you said, the biggest thing I've gotten out of it was just seeing the leadership development, you know, public speaking and then just the networking because networking is such a huge deal in these days. And most people don't take advantage of it. You mm-hmm. know, they go, they go to school, they go get a degree and they expect to get a job. Mm-hmm. Well, when they apply for a job, they're like, okay, well, what, what have you done? experience wise have you volunteered with anybody or do you have any experience doing any of this stuff it's like well i took a class yeah it's not going to get you very far like you have to put some more effort into it and the brigades camps they're getting a lot of this experience before they even go to college exactly yeah they're getting all this experience and these uh networking opportunities because like and the crazy thing was like my freshman year of uh, college i got plugged in with the texas a&m student chapter of the wildlife society which is if you're in the college age range, I recommend that's what you do is you find your uh, organizations, your young professional organizations to mm-hmm. get plugged in with because those are going to offer you your experience um, in, in college yeah. age. Uh, and it, it opened up a lot of doors, but it, one of the best things I did was go to a Texas chapter uh, conference. And I saw all the same people I see at brigades. Yeah. So it was just like a big reunion kind of. And yeah. then uh, folks, you know, that I went with the students from Texas or from A&M student chapter were like, how do you know people? This is like your first year here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, these brigades people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a cool community to be a part of for sure. So shoot. Well, Joe, man, I appreciate you um, coming on and kind of sharing a little bit about what you're doing and stuff. This has been a lot of fun um, getting to know you this weekend and really thank you for coming on. Um, where can people follow what you're doing and uh, and with y'all's family photography stuff? Yeah, so if y'all are interested, we have uh, we're present on Instagram and Facebook. So uh, it's Richards Outdoor Photo for Instagram and Richards Outdoor Photography for Facebook. So uh, you can see my posts, my dad's posts, and my brother's posts. Um, we we tend to post often, but not, never enough. But you can see all the cool wildlife experiences and sharing that with us. Uh, we'd appreciate your follow and like. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's good seeing you.
Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. Hope you have a good research year and and, uh, and everything, and um, maybe you can get down and go fishing with us sometime. So. Yes, sir. I love that. All right. Thank Talk you. Talk to you later.